With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with Cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker CuzCast for all podcast updates and more. we got a great show tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about the conference scheduling news that came out last week. And then we're going to also tackle uh, a couple of the points that Colin Coward made this week. So let's get into conference scheduling because this is a huge impact on sports right now, especially in the Big Ten here and for our beloved Cornhuskers. The Big Ten stated that no more non-conference games. Uh, well, they're not going to be played here in 2020. So, Tyler, what do you think of this? Well, I think this is a very significant change to uh, the landscape of the Big Ten. I mean, you look at the last three years, uh, five different teams made bowl eligible with a losing conference record. So I think this is a big impact. However, I understand why the Big Ten is going to this message. You know, with COVID, they want a lot more testing. They want a lot more control over this. I know there's a lot of speculation out there. It's about travel and they don't want to do distance. No, it's about control of everything. And I think they feel they have a better chance to control everything if it's all in conference. All right, Derek. So what do you think, what impact does this have on Nebraska's schedule this year? Oh, you know, it it all depends on what we really find out here. Uh, You know, Bill Moose, I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit. He's pushing for a 12-game season, and then we got everybody else saying we could have a nine-game season, a 10-game season. Who knows what's going to happen? So how does that affect Nebraska? I mean, yeah, if you take two games away from Nebraska, especially Central Michigan and South Dakota State, those are two what should be gimme wins away from Nebraska. Uh, now you're play, playing some tougher opponents in the Big Ten. I, I'm i not a huge fan of this right now. It, may, it really scares me that it's just proven that we're not going to have a college football season. Don't say it. And even, if we, and even if we do, I don't see a bowl season happening. <laughs> and, I, you know, it's just – the, the, the whole thing is, though, like, I mean, what, what do we talk about at the end of every season or even at the beginning of every season dur- during these non-conference games? This is what makes a non-conference game so fun is we get to talk about who's conference on top, who's on top on the conferences, sure. you know. And, and now you get you lose that. You, you lose that as a whole conference, not just as Nebraska, but as a whole conference you lose that. Yeah. And Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that any football is better than no football. Uh, true. And, and, and it's hard to disagree with that. Like, yeah, am I going to watch it? Of course. I also seen a fact that the Navy athletic director came out and said they don't care if there's any fall football this whole season. The Army-Navy game will be played in December. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, whether he actually gets to get, go through with it or not is another story, but he wants that game played no matter what. 
Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Our armed service members, man, they're no bitches, man. They're going to play. <laughs> they're going to play. Uh, Tyler, so let's talk about uh, the 12 game versus 9 game versus 10 game. What are your thoughts on here? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting. Bill Moose came out and said he's advocating for 12 games because about a couple weeks earlier, Scott Frost came out and said, yeah, I don't want to play 12 conference games. I think that's too much wear and tear. I, I personally don't like the 12-game conference idea. I would lo- much rather see it land at 10 or 9. Um, I think 12 is just too much to ask. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't. nobody wants, well, outside of Bill Moose, I don't think any Husker fan wants to see 12 conference games. Unless, that, you know, that's the only 12 games you can get, I guess. But no, you know what? No, screw that. Even if you can get 12 games, I don't think any of us want to see 12 conference games. That's, I don't think that bodes well for Nebraska at this point right now. I think that just that doesn't bode well for the end of the season record. Uh, nine games I'm okay with. Ten games is fine. Derek, you're shrugging, shrugging because you don't like that 12-game remark that I just made there. Why? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that our record has anything to do with it. I, it's a it's a rigorous schedule. It depends on who gets added. I mean, if you're going to add Michigan to it, then yeah, I, of course that makes it worse, and our, our schedule's going to get worse. But if you're adding Maryland and, uh, so you know, I, so do the well, math well, here, Derek. Gather- if if they go to a twelve game conference season, right? There's only one team that is not going to be added to that schedule. I mean, it, and you hope it's Michigan. <laughs> you definitely hope it's Michigan, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't well, know. Or maybe they take Ohio State out of there. I'm okay with either one. Well, if if, if they uh, if they did, I, I, I'm not a I'm sorry, I'm not a huge fan of the 12 games either. I, it's I think it's too much. The only reason I don't like is I, I'm with Scott Frost here. I think it's too much to ask players to be playing at that elite level for 12 whole games. Uh. The, the nine-game schedule, that's where everybody kind of like seems to be okay with. I, I think that does nothing. I don't, I don't like that schedule at all. The 10-game schedule is about the only one that really makes sense to me. I love 10. I absolutely love 10. 10 games is the right about right number of games when you're doing conference and conference only. Uh, Tyler, what do you think? Well, no, I, I agree with you. I think that the 10 games gives opportunities for some bye weeks in there, um, You know, allows some flexibility. You know, obviously, I think, you know, how I feel about it depends on the 10th team we get added. You know, there's two teams that I think could be really good in Indiana and, uh, or I'm sorry, Michigan State and Maryland. And then there's Indiana and Michigan that both would scare me. So, yeah, I think it depends on who we get added there. Derek, what are your thoughts on what team scares you out of the East that could be added? Well, the only one that could be added that would truly scare me would be Michigan. Uh, Indiana and Michigan State, they're about the same to me as far as the chances of winning the game. I I think they're essentially the same team. One's an offensive juggernaut, one's a defensive juggernaut. I I understand Michigan State's got a new coach, but, you know, he did beat us last year with Colorado. And I, I still firmly believe that Michigan State probably overall has better talent than Michigan, than Colorado does. Uh, so, so I mean, Michigan State, I, I, I wouldn't call that a gimme game. I wouldn't call Indiana a gimme game. I think they're both about coin flip games. Maryland, I, you almost have to assume that would come to Lincoln since we played them in 
uh, college, uh, I was going to say college station, but that ain't right. College Park <laughs> yeah. last year. And I, I just, uh, what we did to them last year, I don't see that boding well for them again this year. So Maryland would be the number one team I'd want added to the schedule. But the the other two, I think, are about the same. Michigan, we're, we're just not there with Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State right now. We can get there, but we're, we're not there yet. Right. You know what's interesting about this, guys? You know, Big Ten, they make their announcement. And then the Pac-12, they come along and they make their announcement saying conference only for them as well. Uh, so far, what we've heard is Big 12 and SEC, they're not interested in doing that. ACC tends to be leaning towards maybe doing conference only, but I don't think anything's solidified there. But Tyler, what are your thoughts on all of these conferences having different rules on how they would approach a season? Well, you know, ideally I'd want uniformity across college football. And really where that comes into play is how they decide on postseason um, performance. Now, to Derek's point, if there is no postseason, then I guess I really don't care what other conferences do. Um, but but I do think it's, you know, if you're going to go down bull eligibility, you want to hold the number being six. I mean, that makes it a lot more difficult for the conference-only teams to hit that six-win mark. Derek, well, I, I don't think you would hold it as a six because I don't. The, the thing about the six wins is more that it's a five hundred record to me. I guess I guess that's what I always thought of it as. Right. And so if you went down to a ten game schedule, if you went five and five, I think you would be bull eligible. But as far as what the other conferences are doing, I look. I don't know how the ACC is going to handle it because chances are they're going to have to take Notre Dame in there, which is going to put them at an odd number. So I don't know how that's going to work out for everybody. And then I, I just I, I, I'm curious to see how the how the ACC would handle it. I guess the SEC can fall into the ocean. I don't care. <laughs> uh, the the Big Twelve. I, I again they play each other. They play everybody in the Big Ten every or Big Twelve every year anyway. Yeah. So it's nothing different for them. I guess the only difference is Kansas State can't play Ethiopia. <laughs> right so yeah i mean I, I think the big 12 you know they already play everybody so if they want to play out of conference teams i mean i guess that's fine it doesn't matter what they do because they can't get to 10 games without playing somebody else right so so yeah that's there's no issue there teams like sec and acc that only play eight conference games i think those are the ones that kind of some some people are like you know that's that's bs that they should that they can't pick up an extra game and they're going to fill it up with you know the they think it's going to be fcs teams like what they do every other year uh the scheduling would not match up well across the board if there was a postseason and, and playoffs you know i mean and that's well, and I think the other question is going to be: Is the NCAA going to step into this at some point? If the if if three out of the five conferences go, this is what we're doing. They're all doing the same thing. Is the NCAA going to step in and go? Listen, SEC, you're either going to jump on board or you're not going to play, or or is the NCAA going to stay out of it? Well, the NCAA they've had plenty of opportunities to penalize uh, the teams. Uh, the conferences that only play eight conference games, and they don't. They, you know, we've talked about it before. They've 
they penalized the Big 12, Baylor and TCU, in the early days because they didn't have a conference championship. So, I mean, I don't know I, why I they did I'm just talking it. about this year yeah. as a whole. Though. I I'm hope just, so, I mean, but they the, haven't demonstrated that before. Because this year's a totally different season. This this is going to be nothing that we've ever seen before. Sure. If, if, if it all plays out, this will be completely different. I, I just It'd be interesting to see how the head honchos at NCAA sit here and go, okay, this is how we're going to handle this. Because I, I just I don't know. I would bet a nickel that they would not penalize the SEC for their scheduling. But how do you justify the risk it takes to play an FCS school who can't afford to test every player as often? And and now you're risking spreading it through these SEC teams. You can't expect a Big Ten team to go play an SEC team in a playoff game knowing that there's a possibility of this. No, I mean, there's going to be a good three-week break at least between the last football game and playoffs anyway so maybe you could use that to your advantage i don't know See, I mean, here's the thing i i i don't care if the sec if they want to keep their schedule as is all thing i don't want to hear at the end of the season is well alabama played 12 games and the big 10 only played 10 like i don't if they want to do it, good for them. But they should not get credit for beating children of the blind. Like, they right. don't deserve it. Yeah. So, uh, Well, they don't deserve that any year, but they still get it. Of course. Okay, so we're, there's going to be a lot that happens with this. We're going to find out a little bit more about what the schedule is actually going to be. What, to... At the end of the month, I believe, right, Derek? A couple weeks. By, by the end by of the, the month, end of month is what Bill Moose is saying. I, now that could mean tomorrow. It could mean July thirty first. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. What the actual? There's no date set. It's just I. All Bill Moose said was by the end of the month we should know what the schedule looks like. <laughs> There's a chance by the uh, by next week that all of this information it'll be bad anyway. <laughs> I mean, because it's a moving target. Nobody knows what's going to go on. You know, we we don't. Derek, you know, you keep pointing to it, which I hate. But, you know, we don't even know if there's going to be a football season. It's so fluid right now. Everything's just nothing's set in stone. I mean, well, I mean, especially when you start seeing like JUCO schools are yeah. starting to go. We're moving it to spring. And, you know, and the Ivy Leagues have already pretty much said we're not playing in the fall. Right. I just it, it scares me. I, I, I'm really this is the scare. This is the most scared I've been. For the for the jeopardy of college football that I that I've been since this whole thing started, like I, before it was all just okay, it'll be over by then, we'll be fine, whatever. Yeah. And now that I'm starting to see other footballs going, football seasons going, yeah, we're not going to do this. I'm sitting here going, e. <laughs> Tyler, what? It's going to be tough. Tyler, what impact is that going to have on uh, uh, recruiting? The if junior college gets moved to the spring. I mean, well, I mean, obviously they're not going to have the season to put film on the board. So if you're going to go after a JUCO guy, it would have to be a guy that had a really good high school and just probably didn't have the academics to go D1. I mean, I that that's what it would have to be. So, yeah, you would, I mean, mostly just lose that pipeline. And obviously it's been pretty, you know, you know, fluid and pretty, uh, you know, pretty good for the Huskers over recent years. So... Yeah, I mean that that's not good, but we don't have a lot of uh, scholarships to offer, anyways. Yeah, I tell you what, it's a tough time to be a college football player these days, right? With everything going on, to be in athletics, 
whether it's high school, college, I guess pro level too. It's a very tough time. Uh, well, and, and I'll be curious to see because I heard something about I don't remember which sport was doing this. It might even been college football. They were talking about uh, testing them like Mondays and Thursdays. So you're getting tested twice a week for this crap. Yeah. I mean, you're talking a huge like that's expense. A, that's a lot to get tested. I, and these tests, from all accounts, have been not nice, I guess, <laughs> to put it. Yeah. Like, like these things aren't just some prick in the finger and you're going on your way. Like, I don't know what all the test entails, cause I, and I don't really want to know too bad, but oh, it's... It, it's not something so easy that you can just – sneeze into a bucket and find out what you got oh yeah it's it's third knuckle in the third knuckle of your finger in the nose pad i mean (laughs) we're not talking about digging double knuckle deep man it's that's triple well here's what i the the testing you're you're right Derek. there's a lot of the testing that is very invasive and really painful but there are tests out there that um are cheaper and can be done very quickly I think the question with those is the accuracy of that. So what do the schools decide to go with? Again, probably another reason why the Big Ten wants control because they can mandate you're taking this test that we trust and everything will be the same. And and I suppose if you really wanted to do it, you could do the cheaper one that's maybe not as accurate on Monday and then do the full test on Thursday. Yeah. But, again, you're still once a week getting this horrible test that – Nobody wants to do. Yeah. I, At the end of the day, it's all about player safety. I mean, you can't throw those kids out on the field without them being protected. Look at what they're doing in the NBA. I mean, all the measures that they're taking to throw them in the bubble and just, you know, trap them there. I mean, they can't even go out and get a damn sandwich. <laughs> no. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be harder to contain, you know, 15 times more uh, athletes than what anything else would be, but uh, th- that issue is not going away. I'm sure we're going to revisit it next week. But let's move on to Colin Coward's comments uh, that we heard him say. Uh, he was talking about an article written by Dennis Dodd talking about coaches on the hot seat and how Dennis Dodd had Scott Frost as a rated number five as you know the on the absolute hottest of the seats. And, you know, and he went on a little rant and did a little segment, like a whole bunch of backhanded compliments, I guess. But uh, uh, he said that Nebraska was a seven, seven and a half win team. And he talked about recruiting and uh, conference change. There's a lot to unpack there, but a lot of Nebraska fans really got their feelings hurt by what he said there. And, There was a little bit of truth there. Some of it was just made to rile up a fan base, I think. But interesting comments nonetheless. Uh, The first and foremost, he let off and he said, you know, Scott Frost is a great coach. But, you know, due to fan expectations and stuff, Nebraska is just a seven, seven and a half win team. Derek, what do you make of that? Well, first off, I want to say he needed to be a little more clear on that because the argument here, and this is, I think, what pissed a lot of the fans off, was he. To, to me, it sounded like he was saying, "That's all we're ever going to be. That's all we can be as a seven, seven and a half win team." So we just need to take that and put it in our pipe and smoke it and get over it. 
and, and I don't I don't agree with that. I, I I'm not saying Nebraska's going to turn back into the '90s. I'm not saying anything like that. But there's no reason that I don't think Scott Frost can get us back to where Bo Pelini had us when we're playing for a conference championship a couple times every other, you know, every two or three years, and and maybe eventually get us back to playing for a national championship. Uh, there's no reason for me to believe that he can't do that. Like if, if Bo Pelini could do it, it can be done. Uh, he also made the, the the argument that we've had good coaches, and then he brought up Bo Pelini as one of them. Now, he talks about having five coaches in the last 16 years, and Bo Pelini is the only one he mentions, because nobody's going to call Bill Callahan or Mike Riley a good coach. Right. Like, those were two big mistakes that Nebraska made, and he, and he didn't want to fess up to that. Uh, he's just want, sitting here wanting to go, yeah, let me put another, put my thumb back on you guys and go, yeah, you fired a nine-win coach. So, I, I can see where fans were getting upset with him with, some, with that comment. Uh now, I, if he's just talking, hey, you're a seven-win program right now, and that's where you should be expected to be. It's not that you can't get better, but that's where you are right now. Then I can agree with him. Yeah, I mean, I right now I'd love to be a seven-win program because we haven't been in the last three years. Tyler, what did you make of that conversation? That uh, his points that he made about Nebraska being a seven-seven-half-win team. Well, if you look at the last, you know, 10 years, you know, we've averaged seven and a half wins a year over the last five. That number is 5.6. So if he's looking at over recent history, that's a pretty accurate statement. But to Derek's point, I mean, I, I that doesn't mean that's where I think this program is going. And I think we have higher expectations for that. And so when you're talking about us being a seven win program, I get why it riles fans up. However, I mean, if we would have had 12 games this season with that schedule, I would have been pretty happy with a seven-win season. Um, I, again, I, yeah, I mean, I think the set, the way he talked about it is that's where this program is. I mean, the best we should hope for any year is seven wins. That's how it came across to me, and that's just not accurate. And I don't think that's where we're going. Um, you know, and I. So yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't agree in the sense that's what our program is. However, the facts are in recent history that is what our pro, perfor, uh, program has performed. Yeah, so I wasn't offended by that comment at all uh, because I thought I read it, you know, and or heard it as he was talking about the state of the program today. I mean, short term, you know, whether it's one, two, three, or year three years. Seven win program, seven and a half wins. He went on to say today or yesterday talking to somebody else and he referenced the conversation. He said eight wins. So in his head, maybe seven to eight wins. Sure. Over the next one to three years, I can see that. That, that there's it didn't bother me that he said that because look at what we have done over the last, you know, last twenty years. It's not that impressive. I mean, uh and and again, if that's what he means what you're saying. I can buy that. I can agree with that. Like next one to three years, sure. But but to, I'm with Tyler. Like it read or sounded to me like that's all you're ever going to be. So just get over it and shut up. Yeah, I mean, he talked about you know the college football shifts every year. You know, it's it's always fluid. You know, and so I, I didn't think that that he meant that we were stuck in this seven to eight win mark forever, but. As far as the state of the program, okay, I, I wasn't bothered by that because how many people are thinking that headed into 2020 
given the original 12-game schedule, how many people have had us at eight wins or more? I would, I would guess that it would be in the minority. I mean, I think a lot more people would think it would be seven or less than eight or more, right? I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I had us a six, seven, one team this year. Yeah, but if you if you if you take a, a pulse of the public, I mean, what, what's the public thinking, right? What are they thinking? Are they thinking Derek, eight or bo- more? Derek, your boots are on the ground in Nebraska. What what, what do you believe uh, most Husker fans are saying? You talk. I mean, the ones I've talked to are were optimistic. I, I haven't had a chance to talk to a lot of them right now because everything that's been talked about is. Uh, political things and uh, things I don't really want to talk about. <laughs> and then, uh, but they keep getting brought up and I just don't want to hear it anymore. But anyway, uh, as far as Husker football goes, the only question I seem to get from anybody is, is there going to be a season? Yeah, That's the only question. Like, yeah. is there going to be a season? So I, I don't know where, where the general public is standing. I, I, I had us at eight wins. I thought, Eight wins was a feasible season this year, but eight wins would be a phenomenal season this year. I mean, it really would. Uh, see, see, Justin, I think that from the fans I've talked to, I think a lot of them think thought eight to nine wins was on the table this year, and and maybe that's what he was talking about. The fans need to realize that hey, that's not where we are. But but let's be one. And I I don't know if you're about to bring this up, but so I apologize if I killed your lead. But let's be clear about this. This article that talked about Scott Frost on the hot seat. This this writer had Scott Frost as one of the top six coaches in the country on the hot seat. That was his opinion. That is not mm. Husker Nations. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, and, and the fans do not see it that way. And Colin Cowards that's sitting there saying the fans are calling for his job. The fans are not calling for his job. I mean, his well, job security let's, let's, let's just All right, let's just get into that conversation because I know that's part of our conversation. So let's just get into that conversation of the firing of Scott Frost if it were to happen. And, and Tyler, I'm with you. I have yet uh, – we've, we've talked about this. And Justin is probably the closest person I know that would want Scott Frost fired. And Justin does not want Scott Frost fired. I'm not saying he does. I'm just saying he finds more negative stuff to say about Scott Frost than anybody else that I know personally and that's fine it is what it is i'm not i'm not damning justin for that no i'm not i'm just saying it. you you're speaking what you've seen over the last two years and, and you have a little doubt and that's fine that's fair uh but even you i don't think want to see scott frost fired right now no, no. I, and i don't believe that for even a second but you're probably all i'm saying is you're probably the closest to that point than anybody i know and so for him to – for Colin Coward to come out and make it sound like the, the fans in the media, he, local media here, want Scott Frost fired, he obviously did no homework. He read a Dennis Dodd report on who he thinks is on the hot seat, and he went with it. Right. Because if he had just talked to anybody that was a Nebraska fan, he'd have known where we stand. He'd understand that we're trying to be, we're being more patient with Scott Frost than we would have with any other coach, no matter who it was. Yeah, especially any outsider. I mean, there, there would not be as Absolutely. much patience for an outsider. Uh, one other thing that uh, Colin Coward brought up, he was talking about recruiting, and uh, he brought it. Uh, he brought it up and talking about the conference change and how we were in the big. T- when we were in the Big 12, we had Texas as a recruiting ground, 
And, you know, when we went to the Big Ten, we kind of lost that recruiting in Texas. And, you know, we're not getting – there's not in-state kids and, you know, all, all this other stuff. Tyler, what do you think about the recruiting aspect of what Colin Coward had stated there from the shift? Well, so, so you know, he brought up the Texas. Hey, when we were in the Big 12, we recruited Texas. So the last five years, we were in the Big 12. We average six Texas commits a year, okay? The five years after we left the Big 12, it was four. And over the last five years, it's been two. So his point that we are not recruiting Texas as well is, is a fair point because we're not. But the last five years we were in the Big 12, we averaged the number 22 recruiting class. Over the last five years, we've averaged the number 22 recruiting class. We have shifted. We have evolved. We don't need to go to Texas to get all of our players. So recruiting has gotten no worse for Nebraska, if you look at the last five years. In fact, over the last three years, we've averaged our best recruiting class over a three-year cycle in this century. So, I mean, there, there is no evidence that our recruiting has gotten worse. So if you want to argue, yes, Texas is harder, sure, we have not recruited Texas as successfully, but we're doing just fine in the recruiting aspect. Yeah, that's a great point there, Tyler. Derek, anything to add well, there? Absolutely. Where Colin Coward shot himself in the foot was saying no California kids want to go to Nebraska, yet our starting quarterback straight out of California right now. No kids want to – and he says few to no kids want to come out of Florida, but that's that's our recruiting hot ground right now. That's where we're getting most of our kids – or not most, but a good portion of our kids is Georgia, Florida area. Like he, he did no research by making when making these comments. And I think that is a lot of what irritated fans was the lack of uh research. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, so so the California thing, you know on all honesty, we haven't recruited California. Over the last five years we've averaged two commits from California a year. And yes, Adrian Martinez. Which is a lot for no kids wanting to come here. You're right. And we're getting kids. And you look at 2017 with Mike Riley. We, we brought in two of the top 35 players in California into Nebraska. So, I mean, we, we have had success. I mean, is, is it – we're not bringing in a half dozen kids from California. No. I mean, we haven't done that since the 2000s under Bill Callahan. No, we're bringing but, in and, classes, and that's the but, whole thing. That's the whole thing is we don't need to. What we need to do, and we've talked about this before, is, is recruit this 500-mile radius where you get the kids out of St. Louis and Kansas City and out, well, all of Missouri, for that matter. Because Missouri is a pretty good hotbed itself. Like Everybody kind of looks past Missouri like they don't have talent there. There's a lot of talent in Missouri. Uh, you get a kid, we're getting kids out of Colorado that are, I think the last two or three years, we've gotten the top-ranked kid out of Colorado. Uh, you know, we're getting some kids out of Minnesota where that's and that's impressive. And, and again, I, I'm going I'm to say this just to add to the conversation to say that there's no kids coming out of Nebraska is, is another lack of research. I, I understand that it's not a recruiting hotbed by any stretch of imagination, but just look at the kids that we've even lost. Look at Xavier Watts was a four star that went to uh, Notre Dame. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot, what's his name? Uh, Avante, uh, Dickinson, Dickinson, I believe. Yeah. 
and, and he's another four star that just went to Minnesota. Like, it's not that there's no talent here. It's just over the last ten years we haven't kept it here. Look at Noah Fant. Noah Fant was a big recruit that we didn't get to keep. That that made a huge name for himself out of Iowa. Uh, Drew Ott was a, was a, a under the radar recruit that never made it to Nebraska because he was under the radar. And he went to made went and made a huge name for himself at Iowa. He didn't end up making an NFL roster because of an injury. Well, mostly over an injury. But I mean, look it, to, to sit here and say you can't build a roster off this 500 mile radius is absurd. And I, and that's the problem problem with what he said. Well, he did say 100 mile radius, which is which is kind of true though. I mean. I don't think anybody's well, yeah, going to mistake. If, that, if that's what if that's what you're if that's what you're standing on, but how many people, how many teams really, honestly, out there can recruit within a hundred hundred miles only? No, I mean, I mean, Flo- Florida, California, yeah, Texas, probably. But I guess all I'm saying is, you know, what he was saying, there was a little bit of truth to what he was saying, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't, you know, that is full of shit on also. I mean, well, I, yeah, I, again, if you, if, again, if you're saying that if you're saying that you can't build a team off the hundred mile radius in Nebraska, absolutely, he's right. You're not going to build a whole team off that. But again, you're sitting there saying we can't get the kids from Florida. You're saying we can't get kids from from California. Right. And that's that's where he's inaccurate. Well, uh-huh. and, and again, I and, and he you know he talked about in that piece when he talked, he's like, well, Nebraska's nice. Nebraska's nice, and, and Nebraska is nice. Now, are we in a situation today that we can start pulling in top 10 recruiting classes? No, we're not there. But again, I mean, it, over the last 15 years, we have been consistently in the low 20s in recruiting classes. Like we put forth, I mean, some teens, I mean, some 30s, but our overall average is in the 20, low 20s. And I think it, is that you just project that if you're a low 20s recruiting class, you should be able to put forth routinely top 25 teams and, and we're getting the ta- we're Absolutely. getting the talent that could put forth a routine top 25 team and if we start doing that then maybe all of a sudden that recruiting class we start getting down to the mid teams like is nebraska in the situation that i foresee in the next five years us getting top 10 recruiting classes no but i don't think that's again that's not what the fans are asking for the fans are not asking for top ten recruiting classes right now. No, I mean I think that's a little. That's what everybody wants to hear, but I think realistically, I don't think anybody expects that. You know, if we get to the top fifteen, I think realistically, I think fans would settle for that, right? Top fifteen recruiting classes. Absolutely, and look, and then here comes into what he did one of his final comments and I, I don't know if you had this one written yet down or not Justin but he's talking about identity and Nebraska doesn't have an identity and part of that is going through five coaches in 16 years like it's hard to get in, especially the way Nebraska does it like we fire a coach we go after a completely different coach we don't pick up a coach that could maybe pick up where the last guy left off we decide to pick up from an option to a west coast and then from a West Coast to a spread slash option attack of Bo Pelini, I don't know exactly how you want to explain his offense. Well, it's defensive heavy. Back, back a defensive to a West Coast team. offense, yeah. and then to a, to, to now what it's like an Oregon offense. Like, are, are you talking about when he referenced that Nebraska doesn't have a thing? When he referenced, yes. okay, yes. so yeah, when he said, you know, 
Nebraska doesn't have a thing. And he related that to like Notre Dame. They ha- they're known for academics. Wisconsin, uh, they're known for putting an O-line into the NFL. Uh, and, you know, and he's talking about due to recruiting advantages. Nebraska doesn't have a thing, which I guess could be identity. Uh, so, yeah, so you disagreed there, Derek, huh? No, no, that's the one thing I kind of tend to agree with him on. Like right now, we don't have a thing. Yeah. And, that's, and, and that's why. Now, but I think the reason is is because we've gone through so many coaches. And, and right now, that's another reason why the one thing, the one true thing I agreed with him on is you would be stupid to get rid of Scott Frost right now. Yeah. Because he needs to be able to, to establish an identity. Or, or we're just going to continue to fall to the wayside. So, Tyler, do you agree? Does Nebraska have a thing or do they not have a thing? I don't think we have a thing today, but I think Scott Frost has a vision and started implementing his thing. And and you look at the offensive linemen that we have recruited I and, and, and the emphasis on strength and conditioning. I believe he is looking – he, he has said this statement. He wants to build old-school Husker power at the offensive line with Oregon speed on the outside. And, and I and I think his recruits, I mean, look at the quarterbacks, how athletic they've been. You know, look at the linemen, how big they've been, how big of frames they've had. You know, and, and, and you know, the wide receivers, you know, I it looks like he, I, I don't really know where he's going, but, but I think he's starting to establish that. Now, to Derek's point, this goes to why we can't go off Scott Frost because – Give it three, four, five years. Maybe off at Nebraska is now known for having these six, seven offensive linemen that are just huge. Because we're building that infrastructure, we're building the thing. And so, but again, to Derek's point, we we've just we've gone away for so many coaches, and we keep changing our thing that we haven't been able to establish it. And again, not that Mike Riley should have gotten more time, but he was looking at pro style quarterbacks. Maybe quarterbacks would have eventually became our thing. I mean, it's just you, you, you know, you had Tristan Jebbia, Patrick O'Brien. I mean, maybe we would have established a good pro. Hey, Nebraska's known for pro style court, but we don't give a chance to see that happen. So hope I believe Scott Frost is going to get that opportunity to see that. Yeah, I agree. But let, let me let me ask you this, Tyler. And this is a little off off subject here, but with the way that the NFL seems to be trending with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Do you think a pro-style quarterback was really the way to go? Because the NFL seems to even be kind of going away from it, other than the old school guys. I, I think even Cam Newton. I mean, there, there's a lot of Russell Wilson. They're all kind of starting to lean more towards that. I don't know if you want to call them dual threat, well, but Kyle, I mean Kyler Murray, even definitely more athletic. Yeah, I mean Patrick Mahomes to a degree. I mean he's definitely not the stereotypical pocket passer. No, I think that's a fair point that. You know, Nebraska, you know, being a old school pro style offense is not the most current state. Now, do I think there's still a value to that type of quarterback? Sure. I don't think that would have been the best thing to hang our hat on. Uh, I'm just saying my point is more that my, no, my, I understand Mike what your Ryan, point yeah, is. My, I'm not yeah. I'm not trying I'm not trying to discredit your point because I think that is what Mike Riley was heading towards was trying to put more quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Because he did have a a history of doing that. But all I'm saying is it just seems like the NFL's not really leaning towards that anymore. No, either. no, I, I agree with you. And, and and I agree that that is and that again, and maybe that becomes a Scott Frost thing, that he's able to put these good dual threat quarterbacks in the NFL. 
you know, maybe Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey, you know, eventually make it to the NFL. And yeah, again, I, I think that Scott Frost, and, and I guess the overarching theme on this, and it goes back to what I said earlier, the fans are not looking to get rid of Scott Frost. No. Scott Frost is the best coach that Nebraska has ever brought in as far as what they were regarded. I was looking this up today. Okay. When Bob Devaney was hired, he was the fourth choice. He was at Wyoming. He was the fourth choice for the athletic director. Tom Osborne wasn't the first choice. A lot of fans had wanted Monty Kiffin. You know, a lot of fans wanted uh, Barry Alvarez to come back after uh, Osborne retired. I mean, you know, Bo Pelini probably was the fans' first choice, but that year that Bo Pelini was hired, you saw guys like Art Bryles, Rich Rod, and Rick Neuheisel all hired. There was no way he was the highest-regarded coaching candidate that year. So, I, I, again, Nebraska— Let's thank God that Art Bryles didn't end up here. Well, that's true. but We'd but, have but, conference championships, at least. <laughs> yeah, we'd have a lot of other shit going on, too. But, but Scott Frost was undoubtedly the hottest coach on that thing. He's one of our own. Like, I don't know. Is his leash indefinite? Of course not. He's going to get five years. He's going to get at least five years to get this program turned around. Well, and one other thing that that Colin Coward did make that was completely true was Scott Frost came back here. He's a good coach. He came back here because it's his alma mater. Like, this is where he went. This is where he wanted to be. And that's the reason we got him. And at the end of the day, he's completely right on that. If Scott Frost hadn't been at Nebraska, there's no way we were getting him. Oh, yeah, 100%. And and that's the thing. And that was the whole thing about this piece is is Scott Frost. What Colin Coward was doing, he was defending Scott Frost. He was defending him as a he coach. He was. But the problem was is that he made all these backhanded shots at the program. And, again, I think and the what fans, Scott, The fans. And the, fan, and the fans. Yeah, and, and that's why I think they took it so personally. Is It just felt like he was taking so many slap in the faces to the fans. Like, you guys are the problem. It's not this. It's not this. It's, it's the fans. You're the problem. And I – Again, I think there was a lack of research in some of his comments. I think I don't think he follows Nebraska football very much, and I don't think a lot of the national media follows Nebraska very much anymore. Like we're just not in that program anymore. But we can be. But we, we can, can be. be. And I think Frost has us going in the right direction. Let's get through this 2020 season. Let's let's put forth another top 25 recruiting class, and I think things are rolling for him. Absolutely. Look, look, Dabo, Dabo Sweeney there at Clemson, he struggled for it. He didn't struggle quite as bad as Frost. I'm not going to put that out there. But he struggled for a few years there at Clemson. And he, and then he started getting, I think I think one of his, his first national championship with Sean Watson, I think his recruiting class that year was only like 18th in the country. And then after that, of course, he blew up because he won a national championship. So all, I think Scott Frost can start winning – he can start getting better recruiting classes. And he's already getting good recruiting classes, even with not winning. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you guys something here. One of the things that he kind of alluded to, well, that he talked about was uh, changing conferences and how uh, we went from the Big 12 to the Big 10. And he kind of, you know, he made it sound like that we threw a fit and went to the Big 10. So without being the fit, looking at that, did Nebraska make a good choice about going to the Big Ten, Tatter? 
I mean, that's such a hard question, you know, because at the time, there was a lot of evidence that the Big 12 was dying as a conference. And it's not just Nebraska that left. It's Texas A&M, Missouri, Colorado. A lot of schools left when we left or shortly after. Um, Texas was overhauling the conference, and a lot of schools didn't like it, not just Nebraska. You know, I think the Big 10 offers a lot of things that the Big 12 didn't offer, which is good. Now, did we make the right decision? I mean, gosh, do I wish we were still playing Oklahoma and Texas? Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that still wishes that. I think a lot of fans did. I think that move helped it, it set us back. Um, Bo Pliny was not equipped to go to the Big Ten, and I think our program's been in turmoil you know, pretty quickly after we got to the Big Ten. Um, but but I, I don't see it as Nebraska. Like, it wasn't like Nebraska was like, they were thinking they're way too big for the Big 12, and that's why we left. There was a lot of very good reasons for us to leave, and a lot of other schools did. Yeah, Derek, do you, do you kind of wish that Nebraska was in the Big 12 still? I, I don't know. Yes and no. I, I, I miss the Kansas State games. I, I miss the Missouri games. I miss the Colorado games. I miss Oklahoma games. But at the end of the day, Missouri, Colorado probably weren't going to be there at the end of the day anyway. So you're probably going to miss those games anyway. In Oklahoma, they killed that when they brought the Big 12 in. Instead of making it a protected rivalry, they just said, okay, you'll face each other every two years, which wasn't the way Nebraska wanted it. I mean, Texas just kind of got their way for way too long. And then I think I think the final straw was when they said, you know what, we're going to make everybody come down to Dallas for a conference title game, which gave them home field advantage essentially for the for the conference title game every year. And I I think that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And then then you're looking at the Big Ten, and it's a gold mine. Mm-hmm. Economically speaking, that was the only move you could make. Yeah. Well, don't forget the Longhorn Network, man. I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. How Texas was going to get their own network and everybody else was going to be, you know, left out. And I don't know. That's kind of end up being a bust by the end of the day. Oh, hasn't it's, it really? it's been terrible. I mean, I mean, I don't have Longhorn Network anymore, but when I did, if I was flipping through the channels and I came across it, they'd play like one of the same three, four, you, three or four games every You don't time. have the Longhorn Network in Texas? I don't think I do. I don't think. Now, I'm pretty sure I don't. That's crazy. Because you, you would think everybody in Texas would have that channel. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know I did for a fact when I had DirecTV. I think everybody has had it with DirecTV. But, uh, the, 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 the other thing that I am a huge fan of us moving to the Big Ten was the one thing it did eliminate was the pay-per-view games. Oh, the, those were the worst. Derek, oh, those were terrible. Derek, we would we would take turns watching games at each other's house, <laughs> paying the fee. And, 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 and it got to the point where you're paying like 50, 60 bucks to watch a damn game. It's like. And they weren't and even were playing good. Troy. Yeah. The, yeah, you were playing like Troy or, or Southern Alabama. Or, you know, it, was, it was never a good game because all the good games would get picked up by ESPN or yeah. Fox or whoever. And, and, and our rivalry today. I'm so glad have changed. And our rivalries today are not what they were in the Big 12. But, like, as much as I don't want to admit it, the Iowa game gets me as pumped up as any game. Like, Wisconsin gets me pumped up. Like, like I, it, won't, I won't agree with Wisconsin. I don't even call that a rivalry. They just own us. 
<laughs> Iowa, I'll start agreeing with you. Like that but, but, game. But 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 I guess there's a lot of emotion, and I and I think again, is it Oklahoma? Is it Texas? No, but Texas owned us, and I consider that a rivalry. Like, I mean, Texas owned us the whole Big Twelve. I mean, again, I, I yeah, think, but I think it was just because you wanted to hate Texas, like, and I want to hate Wisconsin. I but I don't understand why because Wisconsin don't even hardly like Wisconsin. Like they're Green Bay Packer fans first. They are. They are. You're right. You're 100 percent right. But but again, I I think the big t- Big Twelve move, it, it, it's one of those things that I, and I'm sure you know we're you know you two are a little bit older than I am, but like I'm sure, you know we talked to you know our parents and you know uncles and stuff. I'm sure they miss the Big Twelve more than we do, but I'm sure the people a little bit younger than us, man, they don't miss the Big Twelve at all. They, I mean. The rivalries didn't make the, mean the same to them. I, I mean, if you're 21, 22, I mean, you're you're fine in the Big Ten. Well, that's because well, and, and, if and, you're 21, let's be let's be honest about it. If it wasn't for Oklahoma, really, honestly, if it wasn't for Oklahoma, that conference would be a joke still. Like I know there was a few years where TCU and Baylor were kind of being competitive, and I get it. But at the end of the day, if it wasn't for Oklahoma, that conference would still be a joke. Tyler, if you're 20 or 21, 22 years old, you've never seen – you don't have any real memories of Nebraska being competitive. I mean, you just no, don't. I think there's 21, 22-year-olds that care about Nebraska football quite a bit. They do. I mean, but, they're, they're, I mean like, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in the 80s, but yet I knew Turner Gill, Mike Rogier, all them. I mean, I think, you know, I remember Oh, there's got to be some 21-year-old kids that remember the 09 and 2010 teams. Yeah, and they, and they and I'm sure they looked into the 98s teams. I mean, just like I looked into the 80s teams when I was younger. Like, I mean, you looked at I, it I, when you're older. You didn't look into it at that time. Oh, I did. I 100% I mean, have I looked into it more since then? But yeah, no, I I mean, I remember like Well, I, I, th- I, I think 50. the other thing you have to look at is I'm sorry. The other, the other part of that spectrum is you have to look at the technology end of the spectrum. Like it was harder to look that shit up in the early 2000s than it is I, now. I get it. I, I, I have kids, you know, one, one's almost 13, one is uh, 19. And I guarantee, you know, if they were the diest hard, they're the most diehard fans, they're not looking that stuff up. You know what I mean? True, true. But you're also growing up in Texas where they're, I mean, it, they grew up in Texas. They hear Texas shit all the time. I don't know. I think it's different for kids in Nebraska. Tyler, t- I think they probably are looking it up a little bit more. Yeah, sure, sure. Kids in Texas, even though his dad, their dad's a big Nebraska fan, doesn't mean they're gonna be. They better be. But I think in Nebraska, I think it's a little. If they different. want their college paid for. They better be. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, okay, take. Let's take this out. Take out all the money out of the Big Ten. Take all that out. Which conference would you rather be playing in, Big 12 or Big 10? I'm going to say Big 10. Um, you know, I, I it is partly because I if Nebraska had the option, equal money, equal everything, go back to the Big 12 tomorrow. I think, one, I would feel like we're leaving with our tail between our legs. That that we would never be able to show face in the big any Big 10 team because we got dominated in this conference for a decade. So I, I'm committed to being here. All right. Uh, okay. Derek, what do you think? I, I tend to agree with Tyler. I 
I think we would be the laughing stock of the, of the national media if we ran back to the Big 12. Uh, but I also think this is this is a hill. Like, we're climbing it. And if you give up now, you're not proving shit. Like, get to the top of this hill. You can do it. Just get there. Start winning some games, get some better recruits, and get there. Yeah, I, I can agree with what you guys are saying if we were to leave the Big Ten now. But, you know, part of me wishes that we never would have left the Big 12. I mean, we had so much more success in the Big 12. Uh, we're not – there's no success that's being made there in the Big Ten. The rivalries, the games, the matchups, they're not that interesting, you know, at the end of the day. You know, we're about 10 years into the the Big Ten experiment. It's not that interesting or fascinating. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody got, you know – they got chubs because we were playing Colorado. Why? Because it was an old, uh, an old Big Twelve and Big Eight rivalry, right? And it was a fun two years. We came on the short end of the stick, but you know what? It was a great, it was a great game. The build up for those games, they were great. I don't know if we're having that anymore. I think the rivalries were better. You're, Kansas State, that was always a fun game uh, for our generation. Uh, Texas, I mean Oklahoma, everything. Texas A&M, that was one of the best places that we ever that I, you know best stadium that I've ever been to on the road. I mean, there's a lot of great things out of the Big Twelve. Plus, we had success, lots of success. Go ahead, Derek. Speaking of success, now I want to bring this up because Tyler mentioned earlier that Bo Pelini was not set up for the Big Ten. And you're talking about the success that we had in the Big 12. Do you think Bo Pelini is still here if we're in the Big 12? If we had never left the Big 12, is Bo Pelini still here? Because I mean, his defenses were really very dominant in the Big 12. His defense was set up to stop a spread offense. So what I, I say believe yes. is one of the biggest factors factor oh sorry go ahead no no i just said yes go ahead so so what what i believe was one of the factors that undid bo Pliny was his talent he he stopped recruiting and if you believe in like colin coward did is because we left the big 12 and we lost texas and he never adapted after that then in theory that solves the problem but i don't think that's why his recruiting went to shit I think his recruiting went to shit because he didn't put an emphasis on it. And I still think you would eventually solve the talent dip that he eventually saw. And I, I don't know. If, but he may have lasted a little bit longer, but I don't think he's here today. Tanner, let me ask you this. Do you think he stopped recruiting or just uh, didn't know how to recruit for the Big Ten? I mean... You were, you were recruiting a completely different gra- background, and you had to... Move all of your guys to new areas. You did. I think it was. I think it was tough for him to do. I, I think it was a completely different recruiting ground. It was. It's just. It, and really, you're basing it off of his 2013 class, because that and that was a shitty class. But the rest of his recruiting classes, you said it yourself. We've averaged like a mid 20s recruiting class over the last 15 years. Well, I mean, of, of the five years we left the Big 12, uh, we, we were 26 on average. Again, the five years before and the most five years recently, we were 22nd. So there was definitely a little bit of a dip. I, again, I I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that Bo Pelini, I mean, he never got us over the hump in the Big 12. 
We are a lot more competitive. You know, would we have ever got a conference title under him? I man, I don't know. All, all he had to do was beat either Oklahoma or Texas in the conference championship game because he was going to continue to go to the conference championship game because we were dominating the North at that point. I mean, we haven't been to the top of the hump in the Big Ten in, what, seven years? <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time, guys. But what I'm saying is I, I don't think – I just don't know that he drops off if we go to the Big Ten with him. If he had stuck in the Big 12, I think his defense continues to dominate a little bit. And his offenses were getting better. Are you suggesting that we'd still have a nine-game win streak intact and bowl game intact? If we were still in the Big 12 and we still had bowl plenty, yeah. yes. Interesting. I, I think we'd have a conference title by now if that was the case. I mean, Bo Pelini always had a little bit of difficulty with mobile quarterbacks. And, you know, Big 12. So has seen... every coach we've had. Well, yeah, true. But Bo Pelini did, too. And, yes. you know, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel. I mean, I know, obviously, Manziel was in the SEC. I mean, if the Big 12 was intact the way it was, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's so it, – it's, it's literally impossible to really dissect – like, I mean, you saw what Taylor Martinez did to the Big 12 with K-State when he was there. Maybe he would have just dominated that conference and won a Heisman. And I mean, I don't know what would have happened. I, that's a hard question. It's a, That's a fascinating question, though. I mean, Derek, I think it's very interesting that you think that Bo Pelini, if had we never gone to the Big 10, if we stayed at the Big 12, that the nine-game win streak – win streak would be intact and bull. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. I mean, that's my God. Well, sure. I mean, look at who would have been playing every year. Like, I mean, yeah, you were always going to have either Oklahoma or Texas. And then, yeah, there were a few years in there where Baylor was really going to be tough to beat. Yeah. I don't know how they would have done it with TCU. Of course, I, it, to me, if we're going to play this game, then you have to take TCU out of it. You have to take West Virginia out of it. And the Big 12 has to stay the same as what it is. Because I, I think Nebraska kind of was the first domino to fall. And I think Nebraska gave Colorado the balls to leave and Missouri the balls to leave. And then Texas A&M didn't leave till a year after them three schools left. Right. So if Nebraska doesn't leave, I don't know necessarily that all those other three schools leave. And if that's the case, I don't think they add TCU. I don't think they add West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I just I think that's fascinating. So at the end of the day, I mean, Nebraska, Big Ten, Big 12. Me and, living and in Texas, win, I, I would prefer title, Big 12. And if he wins a conference title, I think recruiting gets easier for him. Because it's proving that you're heading in the right right direction. Where once we left for the Big Ten, we started to look like we were falling off. I think recruiting got harder. For I can him. tell Tyler hates this conversation. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I don't. I, just, I, I'm honestly just thinking. Like, I mean, it, it's just it. You know, what was the ultimate fall of Bo Pelini? Like, because if you look at the first two years in the Big Ten, like he did fine. I mean, we we made it to a conference title game. Like, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like we had an immediate disaster when we got to the Big Ten. And honestly, he never really had a disaster season in the Big Ten. He just, 
he couldn't beat Wisconsin and got ran over in humiliating fashion. Mm-hmm. He could, you know, got non-competitive against Ohio State in there, Michigan in there. You know, would he have ever done that to a Texas Oklahoma man? I and I don't know what those 2012, 2014 Oklahoma Texas teams look like. Like I, I can't do that off memory. I I I will agree. I I don't know if I agree with Derek all the way, but I I think. He doesn't get fired when he gets fired if we don't go to the Big 12. And, and you know, I, I think he gets a couple more years. He probably has a couple, a little bit more success for longer. But, you know, God, I mean, I, I just don't see him being that nine-win coach still. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, it's so hard for me to fathom how far this program has fallen. <laughs> I, I Again, I think if you stay in the Big the, the Big Ten. Has, I mean, if, you, if you're moving to the Big Ten and, and he was heading the direction he was heading, I do agree with you. He wasn't going to continue to win nine wins. Yeah. But, I, again, I, he was, I don't think he ever recruited well as far as setting up to stop a Wisconsin type of offense. He never got the linebackers here. And, that, and, and look, nobody else has either. And say what you want about Bo Pelini, but he's still the only one that has a win over Wisconsin or Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Uh, fun episode tonight. No last call. We've gone a little bit long, so uh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We'll be back next week. Special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. Be safe out there, and as always, go Big Red.